Good morning. Our Old Testament scripture for today comes from 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 10 to 23. Hear the word of the Lord. The king of Israel sent word to the place of which the man of God spoke. More than once or twice he warned such a place so that it was on alert. The mind of the king of Aram was greatly perturbed because of this. He called his officers and said to them, Now tell me who among us sides with the king of Israel. Then one of his officers said, No one, my lord, king. It's Elisha, the prophet in Israel, who tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your own bedchamber. He said, Go and find where he is. I will send and seize him. He was told he's in Dothan. So he sent horses and chariots there, and a great army. They came by night and surrounded the city. When an attendant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. His servant said, Alas, master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for there are more with us Than there are with them. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the servant, and he saw the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When the Arameans came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, please, with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, and Elisha had asked, as Elisha, Elisha has, had asked. Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they may see. The Lord opened their eyes, and they saw that they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, Father, shall we kill them? Shall we kill them? He answered, No. Did you capture with your sword and your bow those whom you want to kill? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink, and let them go their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. After they ate and drank, he sent them on their way, and they went to their master. And the Arameans no longer came raiding into the land of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Before I start today and and give you the sermon, I want to say one thing, and that is thank you. This congregation and your pastoral staff have been walking with me and my family as we have been serving in Egypt now for almost 18 years. And I want to say thank you. If you hear nothing else out of me today, thank you for the the generosity of support that you give us, the prayers that you give to, to us and to the people that we work with, and thank you for your witness to the gospel. Please join me now in in the word in a word of prayer. 
Gracious God, let the good news come now, not only in word, but also in power and with full assurance. Amen. We often hear in the world today that seeing is believing. And there's a sense in which that's true. Our, our reality does come in through our senses, like Kelly was talking about with the children. We, we see and we think, yeah, that, that is real. The problem with that, of course, is, is that occasionally what we see we don't understand and we end up believing something counter to reality. Take, for example, Shakespeare's brilliant tragedy, Romeo and Juliet. The whole narrative hinges, and the tragedy hinges, on Romeo seeing Juliet dead in his arms. Seeing and believing that she's dead. But we, the readers, know that the friar has actually given her a potion that will help her sleep for two and forty hours. He believes that she's dead and acts on it. He sees it and believes it, but it's just not true. Sorry about that spoiler alert for anybody. Uh... We, we see this in Egypt all the time, where what we see, we believe something about, but we just don't understand it right. This actually was, was brought home to me in a profound way 20 years ago, when my sister-in-law, Jessica, she's in town from, from Washington, D.C. This, uh, this week to be with us, but she was graduating from Princeton University, and this was a big deal for the whole family, and she came, and, and there just weren't enough tickets for the graduation for everybody to come. So I volunteered to be the videographer, and I, I thought, you know, I'm going to do a great job and impress my in-laws specifically my mother-in-law. And I, I filmed, and, and I couldn't go into the ceremony, but I could get the procession going in, and I got video footage of her coming in. And then as they were coming out, I really worked the angles, found a great spot, and actually got the president of Princeton University to speak into the video camera and congratulate my sister-in-law. I thought, I'm the greatest son-in-law ever. I am fabulous. And that lasted for about 20 seconds. And then my mother-in-law said, oh, that is fantastic that you got that. Well, did you get Kofi Annan, the Secretary General of the UN? And I said, Kofi Annan. And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. There were, did you get all the others that were there too? And I said, uh, I'm not sure I'll have to review the footage. I went back and looked at the video footage <laughs> And right in front of me, within an arm's reach, Kofi Annan, Secretary of the UN, the President of Costa Rica, three Nobel Prize winners walked by me, and I didn't see one of them. They were all on the videotape. They were there. I saw, but I didn't see rightly. If we're to talk about seeing and believing, then we need to ask God that he help us to see rightly. I love the story that we have today and, and on the story of Elisha. And Kelly told it so beautifully. 
But there's this amazing narrative that we have that's often overlooked in in our Bible studies. And what has happened is you have these raiding parties that have been coming into Israel to, to attack the army of Israel again and again. And each time the prophet Elisha warns the army where they're going to be. Well, of course, the enemy is completely disgusted by this. And the king is irate that he cannot capture the army of Israel. So he talks to his people, and his people finally say, look, we we don't have a chance. As long as this prophet is out there telling you, telling the, uh, the enemy where we are, we have no chance of escaping them. So he sends his entire army after Elisha. And I love the way that this unfolds. Oftentimes we see elements of humor in Scripture when we don't even expect them. But we have this scene where the army comes at night and completely surrounds him. Then you have two people. You have Elisha and his servant. And his servant wakes up in the morning, kind of rubs the sand out of his eyes, opens the shutters, and shutters. All around them, they have this army. But Elisha knows that what he needs to do is see the reality rightly. He needs to see it in the context where he can understand it. You'll note that Elisha never says, no, there's actually no army out there. Danger is not surrounding us. He doesn't say that. Rather, he prays to God that his servant will have the eyes to see the larger picture. And he prays. He prays, open the eyes of my servant so that he can see reality. And he opens his eyes and he sees this scene that, honestly, I don't understand exactly. But surrounded in the hills and the mountains around them is an army of horses and chariots of fire. And it's at that moment that the servant and the prophet are able to see reality properly. They're able to see that, yes, the army is surrounding them, but those who are with them are more than those who are against them. And what happens next is very interesting to me because we don't hear anything else in the narrative about the chariots of fire and the army. What we see instead is the prophet of God walk out and begin talking with the enemy army. Now, if you don't see the humor here, I, I hope you'll be able to see it as we talk through it. He walks out to the very people who are trying to capture him. And he says, well, who are you looking for? And they say, well, we're looking for Elisha, and we're trying to find him. And he says, you know what? I can lead you to that man. And of course he does, but he leads them all the way up to the city of Samaria, where the entire army of Israel can surround them. And then he prays again, God, open the eyes of this people. Open the eyes of the enemy army so that he can, they can see what's happened. And they open, God opens their eyes, and right in front of them, they know that they are utterly defeated. They're surrounded by the enemy army. And then you have this curious comment from the king of Israel. It's, it's in the scripture, it's, it's, it's kind of odd. He repeats himself. He says, O father, Elisha, should I kill them? Should I kill them? You can almost hear the voice of a child asking him, what do I do? I don't know what to do when the army, the enemy is here. What do I do? 
And Elisha just responds in the most wonderful way. He said, no. Did you do this? No. What I want you to do is I want you to put food and water in front of them. And they prepare a great feast. In in doing this, I think we see an Old Testament precursor of exactly what we look for and what we see in the Sermon on the Mount. When Christ says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And we see Elisha doing exactly that to the enemy army. And then the story concludes with this wonderful line. He sent them home and they did not return to raid again in the land of Israel. I want to suggest to you today that we see three things that are a message for us in the church today here in Southern California, but also over in Egypt. The first is we need to realize that we need to have eyesight to see the dangers and the evil that are actually around us. The truth is is that there really are dangers in the world. There's things that are wrong. There's injustice. There's violence. And we, as the people of God, need to pray that we'll have the courage to be able to call evil, evil, and sin, sin. In Egypt today, we've gone through a tremendously difficult period over the last six months. Actually, over the last six years. Actually, maybe even longer than that. But the truth is, is that there have been people who have actually come out explicitly targeting the church and, and, and causing great violence and suffering to the church. We as the church, the global church, need to be able to look at that and say, this is wrong, this is evil, we need to stand against this. Now, when I say that, I want to warn you. I'm not saying that that those who are different than us are evil or demonic. We're the people who come from the church. We're the people who study and love the New Testament. The New Testament that was written, a majority of the letters in the New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul. Perhaps the very first terrorist to attack the early church when he was Saul and he stood there and he had them put the, the robes of St- uh, in the robes their robes in front of them as they stoned Stephen. So I'm not saying we need to call the other evil, but I am saying that when there are evil actions against the church, we need to have the courage to say it. So the first thing is, is that we need to look around us and be able to name the world around us rightly. But the second thing that we need to do is even more important. We need to pray that God will open our eyes in order to see the reality of the world in the context of God's reality and grace. The the New Testament says that Jesus Christ's name is Emmanuel. That is, God with us. We need to be able to look out and realize that indeed, with Emmanuel, that is God with us, those who are with us are more than those who are against us. When we look out at our lives, whether it's the headlines that we read or in our own lives, the brokenness, the sadness, the disease, the loss, the broken relationships in our lives, we need to be able to name them rightly. 
but we also need to be able to say those in the context of God's gospel. And then finally, after naming things rightly, after seeing them in the larger context through prayer of God's reality in the gospel, we need to have the courage to step out in faith. One of the things that I think is so amazing in this story is, is that even after Elisha sees that there's this whole army around him, it's him who steps out in action. It's him who, who takes the lead by God's grace and is able to ultimately defeat an entire army. We as the church have the opportunity by God's power and Holy Spirit to be able to step out and be a part of God's work in the world. One of the stories that I think is, is a wonderful manifestation of naming things rightly, seeing it in the context of God's grace and gospel, and then stepping out in action, came in the form of one of our students from, who graduated about five years ago from our seminary in Cairo. His name was Ikram. He's a great guy. He was kind of middle of the pack, though, in terms of students. So he came to me one day and he said, you know, doctor, I'm, I'm going to do an internship in a slum of Cairo. I said, well, I, that sounds good to me. Tell me about it. He said, well, none of the streets are paved. Um, there's no building to meet in. There's no ministry going there, but I'm really excited about it. I said, Ikram, you're going to have to help me here. You, you just told me that you're going to a slum that has no paved streets, no place to meet, and you're really excited to be there. He said, yeah, I really think God's going to do something special there. So I said, okay, go ahead. Well, he went out and he started to walk around those streets in that slum. And he noticed that there were children that were out, and, and the children didn't know what to do. They didn't have things to do. So he started inviting them to come to Sunday school. And they came to Sunday school, and he'd organize games and lessons. And pretty soon, that small group of students that started invited their friends. And more and more people came until all of a sudden, the parents of those students kept saying, well, what is it that our kids are doing here? What, what's happening here? And Akram organized a, a meeting where the adults could come together too. And pretty soon somebody donated an apartment space where they could, they could, they could meet together. And, and the church was started there in this slum of Cairo. Five years later, right now, what we see is a worshiping community of 500 families in a slum of Cairo. And they have a building that they're meeting in. It's extraordinarily difficult in Egypt to have a, a building built for the church because the laws are all stacked against you. But Ikram had the faith. He was able to walk into that slum and be able to say, God, what is the reality of this poverty? Help me to see it in the context of your gospel. And then he walked into it with faith, praying that God would bless them. And God did bless them. I don't know what your exact circumstances are here in San Marino today. But I do know that every single one of us has things in our lives that we need to point to and say, that is just not right. 
the, the, the brokenness of our relationships, the sickness of those that we love, the, the, the injustice that sometimes surrounds us. We need to be able to have the courage to face it rightly. Then we need to pray to God that we can put it into the context of the gospel. And then we need to step out and trust that the triune God who calls us into fellowship through Jesus Christ will be with us as God with us so that we know those who are against us are far less than those who are with us. Join me now in prayer. Gracious God, thank you for this opportunity to be together. Thank you for each person here and the ways that they participate in your mission, not only here in San Marino, but throughout the United States and around the world. Lord, we pray that you would give us courage. Give us courage to face the trials of our own lives. Give us courage to see the trials in the world around us. And let us see them with your eyes of faith. Let us put them into the context, knowing that you are with us in power and grace. And let us step out, knowing that you will not disappoint, that we can lean into these things, knowing that you have a higher vision for each one of us and for your church. God, we give you thanks for all that you are, and we pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.